Chapter Forty Two of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica Raleigh. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter Forty Two Rules. The next day Mr. Dillwyn came to take Madge to see Brett's collection of paintings. Mrs. Fisher declared herself not yet up to it. Madge came home in a great state of delight. It was so nice, she explained to her sister, just as nice as it could be. Mr. Dillwyn was so pleasant and told me everything and about everything, about the pictures and the masters. I shouldn't have known what anything meant, but he explained it all and it was so much fun to see the people the people said lois yes there were a great many people almost a crowd and it did amuse me to watch them i thought you went to see the paintings well i saw the paintings and i heard more about them than i can ever remember what was there oh i can't tell you landscapes and landscapes and then holy families and saints and misery of one sort or another and battle pieces but those were such confusion that all i could make out was horses on their hind legs and portraits i think it is nonsense for people to try to paint battles they can't do it and besides as far as the fighting goes one fight is just like another mr dillwyn told me of a travelling showman in germany who travelled about with a panorama of a battle and every year he gave it a new name the name of the last battle that was in men's mouth and all he had to do was to change the uniforms he said he had a pot of green paint for the prussians and red for the english and blue i believe for the french and so on and it did just as well what did you see that you liked best i'll tell you it was a little picture of kittens in and out of a basket mr dillwyn didn't care about it but i thought it was the prettiest thing there mrs burridge was there was she and mr dillwyn does know more than ever anybody else in the world i think oh he was so nice lois so nice and kind i wouldn't have given a pin to be there if it hadn't been for him he wouldn't let me get tired and he made everything amusing and oh i could have sat there till now and watched the people the people if the pictures were good i don't see how you could have eyes for the people the proper study of mankind is man my dear and i liked them alive better than painted it was fun to see the dresses and then the ways how some people try to be interested like you what do you mean i was interested and some talked and flirted and some stared i watched every new set that came in mr dillwyn says he will come and take us to the philharmonic as soon as the performances begin madge it is better for us to go with mrs wishard she may go too if she likes and it is better for us not to go with mr dillwyn more than we can help i won't said madge i can't help going with him whenever he asks me and i'm not going any other time what did mrs burridge say to you hm, not much i caught her looking at me more than once she said she would have a musical party next week and we must come and she asked if you would be well enough i hope i shall not that's nonsense mr dillwyn wants us to go i know that is not a reason for going i think it is 
he's just as good as he can be and i like him more than anybody else i ever saw in my life i'd like to see the thing he'd ask me that i wouldn't do madge madge hush lois that's nonsense madge you trouble me very much and that's nonsense too madge was beginning to get over the first sense of novelty and strangeness in all about her and as she overcame that a feeling of delight replaced it and grew and grew madge was revealing an enjoyment she went out with mrs wishart for drives in the park and for shopping expeditions in the city and once or twice to make visits she went out with mr dillwyn too as we have seen who took her to drive and conducted her to galleries of pictures and museums of curiosities and finally and with mrs wishart to a philharmonic rehearsal madge came home in a great state of exultation though lois was almost indignant to find that the place and the people had rivalled the performance in producing it lois herself was almost well enough to go though delicate enough still to allow her the choice of staying at home she was looking like herself again yet a little paler in colour and more deliberate in action than her old wont both the tokens of a want of strength which continued to be very manifest one day madge came home from going with mrs Fisher to dolls and grants i may remark that the evening at mrs burridge's had not yet come off owing to a great storm the night of the music party but another was looming up in the distance lois madge delivered herself as she was taking off her wrappings it is a great thing to be rich one needs to be sick to know how true that is responded lois if you could guess what i would have given last summer and fall for a few crumbs of the comfort with which this house is stacked full like hay in a barn but i'm not thinking of comfort i am how i wanted everything for the sick people at easterbroke think of not being able to change their bed linen properly nor anything like properly of course said madge poor people do not have plenty of things but i was not thinking of comfort when i spoke comfort is the best thing don't you like pretty things too well i'm afraid you cannot like them too well pretty things were meant to be liked what else were they made for and of all pretty things oh those carpets and rugs lois i never saw or dreamed of anything so magnificent i should like to be rich for once to buy a persian carpet yes that and other things why not madge don't you know this was what grandmother was afraid of when we were learning to know mr dillwyn what said madge defiantly that we would be bewitched or dazzled and lose sight of better things i think bewitched is the word or these beautiful things and this luxurious comfort it is bewitching and so are the fine manners and the cultivation and the delightful talk i confess it i feel it as much as you do but this is just what dear grandmother wanted to protect us from what did she want to protect us from repeated madge vehemently not persian carpets nor luxury we are not likely to be tempted by either of them in shampooashoe we might here be tempted to what i shall hardly be likely to go and buy a fifteen hundred dollar carpet and it was cheap at that lois i can live without it besides i haven't got so far that i can't stand on the floor without any carpet at all if i must you needn't think it i do not think it only do not be tempted to fancy darling that there is any way open to you to get such things that is all any way open to me you mean i might marry a rich man some day you might think you might why shouldn't i 
because dear madge you will not be asked i told you why and if you were madge you would not you could not marry a man that was not a christian grandmother made me promise i never would she did not make me promise it lois don't be ridiculous i don't want to marry anybody at present but i like persian carpets and nothing will make me say i don't and i like silver and gold and servants and silk dresses and ice cream and pictures and big houses and big mirrors and all the rest of it you can find it all in the eighteenth chapter of revelation in the description of the city babylon which means the world i thought babylon was rome read for yourself i think madge did not read it for herself however and the days went on after the accustomed fashion till the one arrived which was fixed for mrs chauntry burridge's second musical party the three ladies were all invited mrs fisher supposed they were all going but when the day came lois begged off she did not feel like going she said it would be far pleasanter to her if she could stay at home quietly it would be better for her mrs wishard demurred the invitation had been very urged mrs burridge would be disappointed and besides she was a little proud herself of her handsome young relations and wanted the glory of producing them together however lois was earnest in her wish to be left at home quietly earnest which is the more difficult to deal with and knowing her passionate love for music mrs wishard decided that it must be her lingering weakness and languor which indisposed her for going lois was indeed looking well again but both her friends had noticed that she was not come back to her old lively energy whether of speaking or doing strength comes back so slowly they said after one of those fevers yet madge was not satisfied with this reasoning and pondered as she and mrs wishard drove away what else might be the cause of lois's refusal to go with them meanwhile lois having seen them off and heard the house door close upon them drew up her chair before the fire and sat down she was in the back drawing-room the windows of which looked out to the river and the opposite shore but the shutters were closed and the curtains drawn and only the interior view to be had now so or anyway lois loved the place it was large roomy old-fashioned with none of the stiffness of new things about it elegant with the many tokens of home life and of a long habit of culture and comfort in a big chimney a big wood fire was burning quietly the room was softly warm a brilliant lamp behind lois banished even imaginary gloom and the faint red shine came from the burning hickory logs only this last illumination fell on lois's face and in it lois's face showed grave and troubled she was more like a sibyl at this moment looking into confused earthly things than like one of fra angelico's angels rejoicing in the clear light of heaven lois pulled her chair nearer to the fire and bent down leaning towards it not for warmth for she was not in the least cold but for company or for counsel who has not taken counsel of a fire and lois was in perplexity of some sort and trying to think hard and to examine into herself she half wished she had gone to the party at mrs burridge's and why had she not gone she did not want she did not think it was best to meet mr dillwyn there and why not seeing that she met him constantly where she was well that she could not help this would be voluntary putting herself in his way and in his sister's way better not lois said to herself 
but why better not it would surely be a pleasant gathering at mrs burridge's a pleasant party her parties always were pleasant mrs wishart said there would be none but the best sort of people there good talking and good music lois would have liked it what if mr dillwyn were there too must she keep out of sight of him why should she keep out of sight of him lois put the question sharply to her conscience and she found that the answer if given truly would be that she fancied mr dillwyn liked her sister's society better than her own but what then the blood began to rush over lois cheeks and brow and to burn in her pulses then it must be that she herself liked his society liked him yes a little too well else what harm in his preferring madge or could it be lois hid her face in her hands for a while greatly disturbed she was very much afraid the case was even so but suppose it so still what of it what did it signify whom mr dillwyn liked to lois he could never be anything only a pleasant acquaintance he and she were in two different lines of life lines that never cross her promise was passed to her grandmother she could never marry a man who was not a christian happily mr dillwyn did not want to marry her no such question was coming up for decision then what was it to her if he liked madge something because it was not liking that would end in anything it was impossible a man in his position and circumstances should choose for wife one in hers if he could make such a choice it would be madge's duty as much as it would be her own to refuse him would madge refuse lois believed not indeed she thought no one could refuse him that had not unconquerable reasons of conscience and madge she knew did not share those which were so strong in her own mind ought madge to share them was it indeed an absolute command that justified and necessitated the promise made to her grandmother or was it a less stringent thing that might possibly be passed over by one not so bound lois's mind was in a turmoil of thoughts most unusual and most foreign to her nature and habit thoughts seemed to go round in a whirl and in the midst of the whirl there would come before her mind's eye not now tom caruso's face but the vision of a pair of pleasant grey eyes at once keen and gentle of a close head of hair with the white hand roving amid the thick locks of it or the outlines of a figure manly and lithe or some little thing done with that ease of manner which was the winning sometimes she saw them as in mrs wishart's drawing-room and sometimes at a table in the dear old house in Champoisseux, and sometimes under the drip of an umbrella in a pouring rain and sometimes in the old schoolhouse manly and kind and full of intelligence filled with knowledge well-bred and noble so lois thought of him yet he was not a christian therefore no fit partner for madge or for any one else who was a christian could that be the absolute fact must it be was such the inevitable and universal conclusion on what did the logic of it rest some words in the bible bore the brunt of it she knew lois had read them and talked them over with her grandmother and now an irresistible desire took possession of her to read them again and more critically she jumped up and ran upstairs for her bible the fire was down in her own room the gas was not lit so she went back to the bright drawing-room which to-night she had all to herself she laid her book on the table and opened it and then was suddenly checked by the question what did all this matter to her 
that she should be so fiercely eager about it dismay struck her anew what was any unchristian man to her that her heart should beat so at considering possible relations between them no such relations were desired by any such person what ailed lois even to take up the subject if mr dilburn liked either of the sisters particularly it was madge probably his liking if it existed was no more than tom caruthers of which lois thought with great scorn still she argued did it not concern her to know with certainty what madge ought to do in the event of mr dilburn being not precisely like tom caruthers End of chapter forty two recording by monica raleigh